Well, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Listen, uh, this is an incredible season to be in ministry, as you know and I know, just lots of pressure. And one of the areas that all of our churches are feeling it is in this whole area of volunteer training. I know I just recently had a whole bunch of engagements with a bunch of different churches talking through, wrestling through, what are we doing on the volunteer front? But you know what? I've got a solution for you today. Even better, our friends at Lifeway Leadership, they have an incredible solution in Ministry Grid. Do you ever feel like you don't know where to start with volunteer training? Or uh, if you know where to start, it's just so difficult to get people together on the same place at the same time. Even if you're doing streaming for Zoom calls, man, it's impossible to get everybody to show up at the same time. Well, Ministry Grid makes it simple to train each and every volunteer leader in your church. With a library of over 3,500 videos and 850 courses, you will find training for every ministry area and leadership. From volunteers to leaders to ministry directors, Ministry Grid's scope and sequence of training makes it easy to know who needs what training. And this is incredibly important at this time because you're going to need to train every volunteer as you look towards reopening. Listen, you can customize everything they've got to fit your church context with videos, PDFs, YouTube videos, and so much more. Listen, you can get unlimited access now uh, of Ministry Grid for just $5.97 if you go to uh, ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. Again, that is ministrygrid.com forward slash unseminary. Now, let's sit back and enjoy today's podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, you are going to be rewarded today. I am super excited for today's conversation. We've had a couple hit and misses this spring getting connected, but excited to have Brett Purvis with us. He is from a church called Cascade Hills or in Georgia. It's one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Uh, this is a fantastic church that you should be leaning in on and learning from. Uh, Pastor Brent, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm glad to be on and honored to be with you. Yeah, we did play... Uh... A podcast tag there for a little bit, I guess, but I'm glad to be on <laughs> yeah. here. So, No, this will be great. This will be great. Why don't you tell us about Cascade Hills? Kind of give us the flavor of the church. Give us a sense if, you know, people, you know, maybe a bit of the history, that sort of thing. Tell sure, us about Cascade sure. Hills. Yeah, Cascade is a, it's a different uh, different animal. Um, we love it. You'll, you'll learn just in a few moments what we're all about. Um, but we are all about that unchurched person finding God. And so we're the church for the unchurched is what we call ourselves. But um, it's been that way from the beginning. My dad, who is, um, let's see, 36 years ago, or maybe 30, going on 37, he uh, he had a near-death experience. He was a total lost person uh, and had kind of tried it all. And um, he was actually in Columbus and saw a prostitute and said, hey, I've never done this before. And him and his buddy uh, decided to, to try that. And it was a setup. And the guy tried to murder my father and left him for oh, dead. Gosh. He got stabbed multiple times. He actually cut his juggler vein in half. He's one of the few people in the world to be living with a totally severed uh, juggler vein. I think there's one other guy that's it's like a they wow. nicked his juggler vein. He's a hockey player and he was on Oprah and stuff like that. But anyways, that he grabbed onto a light pole and crazy thing is two, two weeks before uh, this little church said, Hey, if, if you can go out and find the most um, far from God person, you know, and invite them to and go witness to him. So this guy knocked on his door two weeks previous to this happened 
and stuttered and said, uh, you know, everything you're looking for can be found in Jesus. And uh, that went in my dad's head like an old song where he played over and over and he couldn't get it out. And when he's choking on his own blood, holding on to this light pole, he says, Jesus, you know, if you if you're there, hear me, save me, come into my life. And um, that was the beginning. He gave his life to God and never thought he'd be a pastor. And so when God called him to preach, he he, um, he thought he's the last person in the world that would ever be a preacher. And, and um, hey, uh, he took a church, 32 people on Easter Sunday, which is usually the high day. And yes, exactly. <laughs> that's that's we, we've just pushed the envelope going after people just like him. He spent his life going after unchurched people and introducing him to the God that saved him. And if they're churchgoers, God bless you. Stay where you're at. But that's how we've uh, that's how we built it. And last year, I was his administrator for about twenty years, and mm-hmm. then uh, last let's see, last six years or so, we've been doing a slow transition. But last year, he had a health crisis that stopped him, and we we officially kind of passed the baton. And so, what a great first year of leadership to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who would have known, you know, that here we are in 2020. It was going to be such a great year. <laughs> someone someone told me, they said, wow, his timing was perfect. He passed that baton perfect. Now you, I feel bad for. <laughs> yes. It's been good. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine who was in a similar situation, was, you know, kind of first year in after, uh, you know, a succession and he uh, he called the 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 lead pastor and and he, the guy the lead pastor who was there before him and he said what are you doing today i'm like he the, the old lead pastor was like well i'm out on the golf course today and he's like ah don't rub it in <laughs> you know and so it's yeah oh, quite yeah. the season that's for sure it's well I, you know the thing that sticks out when i see you know just even an outsider looking in on your church is, and, and, you know, I think you got two sentences in before you mentioned it was really your church's focus on earned church people. I love that. Now, I, I think there's a lot of people that listen in that would say, oh yeah, that's our church too. But my, what I see here is you're actually driving that to a missional end that I think a lot of churches shy away from. What difference does it make when you say, hey, we're a church for unchurched people? How are you changing what you're doing or how have you kind of changed or or how do you see yourself differently than maybe other churches would see themselves? You know, I think everybody would agree. Everybody would, you know, we read the Gospels. We're we're going to look at it and say, yeah, we're a church for the unchurched. You know, we, we want unchurched people. Everybody says that, but do you really take every decision and base it off of that? And I think down to every small decision, the hundreds of decisions that we make, it's all based off the unchurched uh, people. And I think in, even during this time, it's been interesting. You know, every um, conference, you know, that we go to, to grow church conferences, you always hear about mission and vision and mission and vision. And um, during this pandemic, you're really seeing uh, what people's mission really is and what the driver is. And it's been interesting for us, uh, Rich, because there's the more people, the more pressure. <laughs> so there's mm. no pressure to, Hey, when are we going to get back? Um, but at the same time, we are making that decision based on our unchurched people. We're basing that on what's the most effective way to reach the unchurched person. And is that having 15 services with social distancing and only getting in, you know, you know 2000 people or whatnot? Or is that using that online video and, and we're seeing upwards to 80,000 people watch? We, we just had our first uh Zoom baptism a couple hours ago, and we've got another lineup tomorrow. But um, so during during this, you know, what I've seen some people that they say that was their mission, but then when it affected their popularity, 
or their pocket, you know, book, then it's like, well, we got, we're going to, we got to go with the pressure. And it's been a lot of pressure, but you know, what's cool is our, it's driven so deep that our people get it. You know, I say, Hey guys, we're already in, we're going to heaven. We're good. A couple more weeks. We're, we're good, but we don't want to open the doors and keep, and the church people get in and the lost person not be able to get in because the God, the church is not about people getting into a building. It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ getting mm. out. So, oh, so good. That's, uh, that's our focus. And we, we drive that with everything we do. We really do, you know, stories, everything. We just drive that over and over and over. So, yeah. Why don't we dive into that a little bit? You've, you know, you say every decision is based on that. What, you know, kind of pre COVID, what would be some of those examples you would point to to say, Hey, here are some ways where we, you know, it felt like, Hey, we made the right missional decision. We say we're church for unchurched people. We made this decision that definitely pushed us in the right direction. That, that might be a bit contrarian or, or was just right for you, you know, in that moment. I think we, you know, pre, and then we're trying to even do this now, but celebrating what a win is, you know, when we watched football, we put points on the board and we celebrate. We would never watch a game that didn't have a scoreboard. <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> sure, last. True. You know what I mean? Yes, it would not and, be that uh, interesting. It would not. And so we show that scoreboard what our win is over and over and over. And yes, we do food drives. And yes, we do all these things. And we do all kind of great stuff. But why? We do that in hopes that someone sees the love of Jesus in us and uh, sees something different and asks Christ in their life. And so we do a lot of stories, a lot of celebrating. And the stories are different, but the same result every time. So all of our stories we play in-house or on social media, they all drive back to that mission. It was, hey, I was unchurched and someone invited me and I got saved. And now you're about to watch my baptism or I was unchurched. Here was my life before I met Christ. Someone invited me. And so what it's doing, it's like the popcorn in the movie thing. When movie theaters were open, <laughs> you would go <laughs> in there and they would subliminally get you when you sit down with that ice dropping in the the cup and then the Coke pouring over and the popcorn mm-hmm. and you go, man, I got to go get a, a popcorn and a Coke. Well, what we do through everything is we story, 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 story about that unchurched person being invited. That's crucial. That way they know their job and then finding God and then the result there. And when you do that long enough, the average person begins to say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yes, there's this list of all these things that, I'm, that I need to be doing, but that's my one job. And I'll tell you where it hit uh, deep for us is Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, we do a big um, Easter event down at our local civic center. It holds about 10,000 people. So we bring all of our services together, one service. And we do it down there because it opens up about two to 3,000 empty seats for lost people. And we, we do a whole campaign. Every seat represents a soul, you know. And we go down there so that we can just, and it's our one time of the year that we really drive it deep. It's all about that unchurched person finding God. Because, you know, the mm-hmm. stats on Easter, unchurched people will come if we invite them. And I tell you where it hit me. I was pulling out of my driveway, going for our biggest service of the year. I see a guy walking his dog in my neighborhood. He's got a baptism shirt on. He just got baptized. I wow. rolled it down. I said, hey, buddy, how you doing? He said, doing great. Hey, I'm just walking my dog. I'll see you in a few hours. I got to go grab my unchurch friend uh, first, though, and we'll be right down there you know, in a few hours. Wow. See, you, see you then. This guy, Rich, he was two weeks into the church. He just got baptized, yet he already knows the mission. I come to church with the mindset of who can I bring that is unchurched and that, that that'll stick with me forever. I, I just remember that vividly. So, 
Yeah, that's so cool. I love that. Uh, what a vivid picture, you know, of the mission in place and and taking in and really impacting an individual. Now you talk about, um, and you've sent this document that we'll include in our show, no- show notes about inter- external keys and internal keys. Can you talk us through that? What is, how do you use this kind of visual and how is it, uh, you know, helping you with the mission of kind of keeping people focused on the unchurched? Sure. So our, you know, our, uh, our mission is uh, to create fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ out of irreligious people. And I think for the longest time, people got that because we drive it so deep. Church the unchurched, church the unchurched. I mean, they get that. But where we were lacking a little bit uh, is the fully devoted side. What is mm. that? How does that look? How, how do we, we we're, okay, we're reaching lost people in the droves. I mean, we baptize someone every day, every day of the year. For the past six years, six years. So every day there's a new convert. That's as new New Testament as you can get. And um, we've got an outdoor baptism. We're seeing conversions, but those people being converted, they were coming in with the question mark on their heads of what's next. I like mm. it. But what's mm. next? And we have, if you're going to go somewhere, you know, you're going to need the address. You're going to need I go from here to here. If you're going to go to Atlanta, Georgia right now, you need a map. You need to know what's the quickest way and how do I get to my destination? But the church was foggy on the destination. Okay, we know the unchurched person needs to find God, but now once I find God, how do I become a fully devoted follower? And so what we did is just simply gave them four steps, and we used our actual logo so that it's very easy. It's everywhere. It's on our Mm. elevators. It's on every—matter of fact, every pre-service that we have is this really upbeat music, and it's showing people last week that took their next step. So, like, our first is salvation baptism. That's the first step. So we'll show, you know, 10 people got baptized. We'll show their faces, show videos, and get back. And this the music's bumping, and this is pre-service. And then they'll celebrate. Afterwards, it'll have a clapping hands, and everybody celebrate. Then we go to next point two, which is starting point. Starting point, it's kind of like an old school new members deal, but it's very hype. I mean, we've got a hype team out there and we serve them dinner. We introduce it to the staff. If you need, you know, to call anybody for weddings, funerals, this, that, middle school, here's what we offer. And we kind of roll out the red carpet and it's like an Oscars almost, but we just Mm. roll it out and we tell them open arms what we're about. See, and that's so important, Rich. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you're every time a church person transfer, transplants from, or comes from another church, they're diluting the mission of the church because they've left a church because that pastor upset them or this or that. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking you're going to be the one that solves that. And you will dilute the mission or the DNA of the church every time they come in if they don't have clarity and a chance to get off. And so it's kind of our open, open you know, arms to the unchurched person and to the church persons that thinks, hey, you're the next guy that's going to meet all my needs and do all the things the former pastor didn't do. And it's kind of my way of saying, hey, if you're look, if you're all about me and what I can do for you, wrong place. Now's your chance to get right. off before I upset you. you know? <laughs> but yes. if you're looking at for a place where you can get in and you can serve God and you can reach unchurched people, then buddy, you found it. And so mm. that's what starting point is. We'll show that. Then getting a life group, you know, and then serving. And what's cool is that logo is an aerial view of the light pole that my father found God at years ago. And so the center of our very logo keeps us uh, missionally grounded where that's who we're after. We're after people just like him. And so we show that logo everywhere. We, we one, two, three, four. So everybody knows the big fours then internally. And that goes to everybody, but internally for volunteers and staff, 
We have a whole mm-hmm. other set of keys that drive every decision. And of course, it all goes back to that mission statement. But then how are we making them fully devoted? So we have four internal keys. I think they're, you know, are, is this appealing to the lost? And that's probably the most mm-hmm. important thing. Uh, we mm-hmm. got to make a decision. And this goes all the way down to social media, anything. They'll go to post something and I'll, I'll call them out. And, hey, guys, what first key is that appealing to the lost? Well, no, that mm-hmm. didn't kind of sound real churchy. And this not OK. Well, the lost person doesn't know what this means. The lost all the way down to terminology, you know, and then then the other three as well. But it just helps us filter. Am I making this decision with mission in mind? And so um, that's that's one of the ways we've we've done it. And um, and then, like I said earlier, stories have been big, big for us. Just yeah, driving a huge part mission. of that. Yeah. And we'll, like I say, friends will that are listening in, we'll have that uh, PDF link there if you want to take a look. I think it's a great tool. I love the four questions on the internal. Is it appealing to the lost? You talked about that one. Is it efficient? Uh, is it intentional about their next steps? Are they uh, being continually equipped? Man, those are great. <laughs> when I think about, uh, you know, filtering stuff that's going on at my church, even through those questions, I, I can imagine that it would really keep us focused on uh, the mission. Now, why do you think so many churches um, seem to start with a passion like this, but then it fades over time? You know, your church has, you know, it's been able to keep focused on this for so much, for decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why is that? What is it that you've been able to do or why, maybe the other way to say it is, why do you see some things that other churches are doing that, that are making it so they kind of fade from the mission or they, you know, they, they step back from the mission over time? I think nobody steps back intentionally from the mission. I think in our heart of hearts, the, the win, hopefully for all of us, is seeing that lost person find God. But I think that, that you know, unless you're in the, the church, every every pastor listen knows it. it's a different animal. You know, I've hired people from uh, business owners to executives, and they'll get in and they'll say, wow, this is a, I never knew what all went on in the church. I mean, you've got <laughs> so hundreds true. of things, uh, you know, that, that got to be run and done every week. And so, Vision, you know, leaks. I listened to a long time ago an Andy Stanley CD on that, and it stuck with me. And he was so right. He said, you know, no matter no matter what your intentions are, vision leaks. And so it's like every day trying to communicate and over-communicate, if it's mm-hmm. possible to over-communicate, your vision, because it's always leaking. And like I said earlier, when you have people come in from different places that their vision was foggy, then now if you're not crystal clear, your vision becomes murked up as well. And so um, that's, that's, that's been our key. But I think, I think, I don't think intentionally people um, get away from the vision, but I think the, the pool, the natural, uh, I I read a a book a while back, the four disciplines of execution. He talked about in this book, the whirlwind, just surviving the whirlwind is what most people do. And it's so true. Um, But that's not the wildly important. And the whirlwind sucks all the focus and energy out of what your wildly important is. And mm. it does. I mean, just running the church, what I was telling our guys at a staff meeting two or three weeks ago, I said, guys, now is the time to strategize how we're going to run our global church, what we've been doing, mm. and how we're going to run the local church. Because the local church whirlwind was about to break all of us. And now we're about to be running a global church and they look, and if you're doing it right, you, you really are thinking in those two terms. I mean, mm-hmm. um, we are, we have, are, we were always set up, and now we've kind of really put a lot of energy into the online global church. And what's going to happen for most people, Rich, is we're going to get back, mm-hmm. and it's going to go right back to the way that it was, where the online is a spare tire. When I believe mm-hmm. that God has opened up for us a venue, a church without walls, those people 
those are the ones we got to give just as much attention to detail and reaching the unchurched because there's a bigger, broader way. And, and I, I'm going to say it, and, you know, sorry if I bring your podcast some heat, but um, <laughs> I, I, I think in a degree, the church doors had to be closed so that the gospel could get out and, and be more, mm. you know, I really believe that. I believe if the church was as effective, the church in, in, a, in a whole, at reaching lost people as we ought to be, um, we wouldn't have seen such a scramble like we have trying to hurry and mm. scramble and get out. See, if we were open, we ought to always be thinking global. And we can, if we can think mm. bigger, think global, you'll naturally reach your city. You'll naturally reach your state. And I think, if anything, this has helped open the church doors, so to speak. Though the church have been mm. doors have been closed more than ever before, and I, I believe that with all my heart. We're seeing, we've never seen online numbers like that. We've never. I mean, right. it's it's just uh, it's been a game changer, and most people are going to go back to that being a spare tire and instead of saying no this is now uh, a way right, to go out to all the all the world i mean we're renovating Absolutely. our sanctuary to do it we're we're it's it's going to be our fifth service we're no mm-hmm. no more coming over the shoulder you're blessed to be a part and be in we're living in a military town so it's like oh we're we love to uh, still watch cascade i feel like and then then we turn around the to service and we talk locals like hey if you need prayer over here to the left make sure you see this guy if you need this Mm -hmm. go out to the tent what about the thousands of people that feel disconnected and we've got all Mm -hmm. these little disconnected cues during there and so we're gonna it's a lot more work but we're gonna start cutting our messages to just our global people directly Mm -hmm. to them their own service to reach Mm -hmm. the world then we turn around and do because you kind of feel that way it feels like our people feel like we miss cascade but you know we're blessed to be able to still throw the camera over someone's shoulder and watch in, watch Pastor Brent or Pastor Bill. I don't want that. I want a service to these people that we're now reaching. Like the story I heard of last week of this guy, he's a multimillionaire, sold many businesses, uh, but he's an alcoholic. And he never felt like he could come to church. He felt judged. For years, people would say, you ought to come to Cascade. You won't feel judged there. I'm telling you, you ought to come there. And he said, I I couldn't. I couldn't break myself to come to the walls of the church. But the other week, he got so... um, got so worried about this coronavirus and things like that. He picked up the phone and watched us and he gave his life to God and he's been watching wow. ever since. There's wow. a world of people like that. And I don't want to take my focus off that. So anyway, oh, I'm cool. going off on a rant on that, but no, not at all. No, that, that's actually super helpful. I wondered if, if there were decisions when you look back, through the kind of, you know, I love your kind of focus there on the reopening phase as we're, we're thinking about, um, Hey, what, how are we going to do our services? How do we take what we've learned in this season and apply it into the next? I think that's fantastic. Were there any decisions that you made during that either fully digital time or as you transitioned in that, um, that were informed by your mission? When you look back, you think, Oh, like we could have made a different decision, but actually because of our mission, uh, we decided to do it this way, or we're deciding to do it this way. Yeah, I think the biggest one has been um, every church around us in this town has uh, has opened up already, and um, and then they've had to close. Then they've opened up, <laughs> then they've had to close. Right, right. And I I knew I was when I um, heard from God clearly. I was on a walk, a little prayer walk, and and I just was rich. I just had the pressure. I know every other pastor mm-hmm. has it too. The pressure mm-hmm. because people were, you know, this church is opened up. This church is opened up. Just and the biggest church in town is, is not opened up. And when do we open it up? And you're feeling the pressure. And it really wasn't from the pressure from our people. 
because our people are so missionally minded. You know what they're saying is, hey, Brent, we miss you guys, but we understand when we can get lost people in, we'll open up. And I'm hearing that from our people. And I'm like, mm. wow, that I, I never <laughs> knew. It's, yeah, no, absolutely. it's from the it's from pressure from the, uh, the from the outside and the different sources that I'm feeling. But I was on that walk and I remember reading where um, where Paul was taking Timothy uh, with him. And this is a man that says that the believers in the area spoke well of Timothy. So he had done get, gained the credibility by his character, his life and the believers. But yet now he get circumcised to go on this journey because he didn't want it to be a hindrance to reaching the Jews in the area. And I mean, he's a grown man. There's no modern medicine, anything. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember sitting on the steps after this walk and, and it just spoke to me that keep your eyes on who you are reaching. If Timothy was willing to do this and all the believers already spoke well of him, but he was willing to do this for the unbeliever in the movement of, of the way that, you know, that Christ was the Messiah and it hit me like a ton of bricks. When you make decisions, it better not be off pressure of people. It better be mm. off of the person you're trying to reach. And I tell you something, Rich, I, it's been amazing. I've seen, we've, we've had a, uh, you know, being a big church on the side of the highway, some of our uh, negativity is, oh, the big church just wants my money. They just want my, mm. they want my, I've heard three and four lost people, and this is hilarious, but yet it's great. It says, apparently the rumor that the big church just wants my money was untrue because the big church is the only church in town not open up yet. And apparently that, (laughs) and I love that. I love that. That's very cool. That's been some of our, our our decisions have been made and they've been difficult, but they've been based off of who we're trying to reach. And so, um, yeah, absolutely. Any, are there any, this is a little bit of a curveball question, any kind of you know, unanswered questions or areas where so many times on podcasts, we're like, this is the thing that happened and it was great. But, you know, sometimes it can be like, hey, here are some things we're still wrestling with. Here are some things we're still trying to think about, or maybe it's up over the horizon. You're like, hmm, I'm not too sure where we're going to end up on that issue. Are, are there things in that kind of arena that um, that you've been thinking about in these uh, in these days? Um, you know, the thing for us has been interesting is we, you know, we talked about the global church and and uh, how to do that. But this really threw us into that where we had to put rubber to the road. And so a couple of weeks ago, we, we took a bunch of dry ride boards and we put them out, there, out and we said, okay, every ministry from life groups to uh, Bible study classes to uh, VIP to all the, every, every group, let's look at this and how can we transfer this to the church without walls? And once we did that, we started seeing life groups start from New York City and Canada and all kind. We've got a life group starting in New York City this week. And it started once we opened our minds of what right. would that look like on all four of those keys and how could we get people through those forks. So we did our first global starting point two weeks ago. And out of it, you know, the point of that whole starting point is basically saying, here's what we're about. But what step are you on and what's your next step? and take your next step, whether it's baptism or life group or whatnot. And then being able to expand our mind on people serving in every, see what was happening is, um, as rich as what was happening is, was God didn't take away our spiritual gifts, you know, um, because the church doors were closed. And so you started seeing people get really down and depressed because they have a spiritual gift of serving or teaching or this or that. Mm. And yet they couldn't use it. And so we took those seven spiritual gifts and said, guys, Take every ministry you got, whether it's writing cards, whether that's a gift of mercy, they're calling all of our members, hundreds of them, and just saying, how can I pray for you today? 
you use those seven gifts and equip the people and let them serve, they ought not to feel like a whole, uh, you know, because they still have the gift. The Holy Spirit is still giving them a gift. Let's use. And so that was a big defining moment for us when we said, let's activate the church. That was that was where that came about is imagine like a buddy of mine that has a, the gift of serving. If I said you're no longer uh, allowed to serve or the, uh, another friend of mine says you have the gift of uh, encouragement, you are no longer allowed to encourage it. You would you feel worthless. You feel like I yeah, can't contribute. Absolutely. And so that was a game changer for us. That's really cool. One other uh, piece of the puzzle I've noticed uh, is the park at Cascade Hills. Can you tell us about this? This is an interesting tool uh, that your church has has been using, obviously, to reach out to people. Can you tell us why did your church decide to uh, invest, obviously, a tremendous amount of resource into providing a public park space for your community? Yeah, we did that again for that unchurched person. So we are about, uh, we're on the highway, and we had this huge uh, field out there that wasn't being used. And the first couple of things we did, we've got a whole building campaign called whatever it takes. So whatever it takes mm-hmm. to reach the next generation for Christ. And first couple of things we did was an outdoor baptistry uh, that I was telling you about earlier. Then we did a prayer garden and then we did something to reach the people. And uh, so we're in a good area of town. And so we raised the money and, and paid for it. It took us a, a while. We'd raise money and pay for a little section, then another section. But mm. our whole goal is for them to drive by and this not to be, oh, you got to go to that church to go to that park. No. Right. You come by, do birthday parties. You do whatever you want. Our arms are open. Come use it. And the whole goal is just to get them on the facility. And if I can get them on the facility, and we do a lot of stuff on Saturday nights because we got a Saturday night service. So we do food trucks and a band and all kind of stuff. And we'll do luau's in the, uh, you know, July. And uh, we've done Christmas you know, party, all kind of stuff to get people yeah. on property. And it's like a wall is broken down. Once they go there for a birthday party or once they go to it for a concert or a movie under the stars, we do a lot of that because uh, it's right off the highway. It's like great advertisement. If we can get them on the property, a wall breaks down and eventually someone there, because our people are so Michelin minded, <laughs> someone's going to invite them to come to church. And so what right. we got to do is right. come to church with me at 430 and then let's go to the park over here uh, afterwards or six o'clock, whatever. It's a great witnessing tool. So, Yeah, that's very cool. That's great. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up today's episode? Um, I'm good. Unless you got any other questions. <laughs> I'm good. Uh, uh, just whatever whatever you'd like to, to ask. I, sh- I sure have enjoyed this time with you and I'm loving the material that you're, you're writing out as well. It's just no, I appreciate that, Brent. I, if people want to, I'd love to encourage people to follow the church, to kind of connect with you guys. How, where do we want to send them online uh, to do that? It's cascadehills.com or they can follow any of our, uh, you know, our social media outlets, Cascade Hills Church, um, Instagram and that stuff seems to be more, more the one they post on the most, but, uh, any of those venues, man. That's great. Thanks so much, Brent. Appreciate you being here today. Absolutely. I was honored to be here. Thank you so much. And, uh, I've enjoyed it, buddy. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.